0: From a secret location in room 100 of 540 Jack Gibbs Boulevard, this is Kraft. I'm your host, Doug Dangler. Stuart Huff has performed at hundreds of comedy clubs in the U.S. and internationally, was a finalist in the Boston Comedy Festival, performed in the HBO Las Vegas Festival, and is featured in the documentary Road Comics, Big Work on Small Stages. He'll be appearing with the September 3rd through 5th Arch City Comedy Festival. Welcome to Craft, Stuart Huff.
1: Well, thank you very much. That sounds uh that's more stuff than I remember doing. That's fantastic.
0: So you've got in um some of your other writings about you, some of the press releases, it calls you possibly the single most underrated comedian in the world of stand-up comedy. So tell me about that title, how you earned it uh and and how that that works for you.
1: Wow, uh yeah, that's a big compliment. I um I think what it, none of it was a choice but i think what ended up happening is you know new york la chicago that's where you go to to get famous that's where you go to get on on night uh you know on tv uh that that format doesn't fit me you get 4 minutes on you know the the talk shows conan Fallon, and all that stuff 4 or 5 minutes if you're lucky that that format doesn't fit me i'm not a short joke type of comedian i'm a longer idea-based comedian so i just worked the road i i liked doing comedy in a longer format so i ended up just you know working the road for 15 years and developing this style and it just it's does not fit in any way on what would make me known you know made me famous it's so you know i think that's what ended
0: up happening okay that's a tough uh thing to do that's uh being on the road that much. Tell me about how that you know, how that works for you. I mean, there are a lot of people who like being on the road. You must be one of them. And then there are people who write road complaints.
1: No, I love it. I absolutely love it. I drive almost everywhere I go. Uh, I try to avoid airports as much as possible. I like seeing the country. If I have time, I'll get off the interstate and drive on back roads and eat at independent diners and you know, eavesdrop on people's conversations and meet people. And I actually like the traveling lifestyle. So to me, I don't want—I don't know why I would want to fly over the interesting parts, you know, the stories and the meeting people. So the lifestyle has become, to me, I, I think I would miss it just as much as I would miss the stage if for some reason I stopped doing it.
0: What uh, what is your way of meeting people when you're on, uh, say, you're you're eavesdropping on a conversation, as you had said, or just meeting people and and finding out their stories? That's always uh, for me a difficulty. Uh, I'm no good at going up to somebody and saying, you know, I, I I'm really interested in your, you know, your shirt or whatever you're using as an opener. How do you get people to talk to you and and get to know them? I
1: think that's th- that. What you just said is pretty much my approach. If I if I overhear someone and I'm just interested in them, why, why do they believe that? Why do they think that? Then I'll, I'll say something benign. I'll just say, "Hey, how you doing? It, you know, it looks like rain. It's going to rain a little later. You know, something like that." Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You live around here. The next thing you know, you can get around to, to what it is that you want to know about this person. And, and what I've found is people really like to talk about themselves. <laughs> they, they re, they. It doesn't take much to get them to talk about themselves, their lives, their loves, their hates, their beliefs, you know. So once you get that ball rolling about the weather or a local sports team or whatever is uh, surface talk, then all you have to say is, um, you know, I noticed your shirt. You know, the next thing you know, you just got to listen.
0: Yeah, and it could be dangerous sometimes to... uh, get yourself out of those situations, Uh, dangerous in the sense of some people will go and give you a very, very long story, and you realize after a while, oh, I'm in in it for the long haul. This discussion is (laughs) going to go on for quite a long time.
1: Yeah, I have found that. A couple of times, I've been standing in a parking lot of a truck stop, and I've just got to go. So I'll pretend like my phone buzzed, and I'll, I'll go, excuse me, and pretend like I answered a call and tell <laughs> them I'm sorry I gotta go. <laughs> uh, wow,
0: that, uh, that uh, that's a, a good lesson to to remember. If I'm talking to you and you say yeah. that you get another phone call, I know where I stand on that. So. <laughs>
1: I've, I've ruined my trick, I can't use it on you now yeah
0: right, so tell me about the generation of uh, your stand-up routines uh, and, and some of your, your stories there I saw one of them is just exactly as you described, I think you were in a truck stop talking to somebody who said he didn't like a lot of different groups of people and he just kept narrowing it down until it ended up like in that bar and basically on that bar stool was the only person that he really cared about hmm. uh, mm-hmm. how does that all roll up for you?
1: Well, that's a that's an interesting one. Here's the story of of where that came from. Uh I'll make it kind of shorten it, but I did a show and the the audience did not like me. I'm you know, I I tend to lean left and uh and I talked about a lot of stuff they didn't like. My sister is gay and and her and her partner have been together forever for 15 years and uh I you know, I talked about them and and blah blah blah. So there was a lot of stuff that the audience did not like. So after I finished the show, I was sitting at the bar and this this guy sitting next to me just unleashed with his, you know, I hate these people. I hate these people. I hate these people. So I started to say, well, who do you like? And then I said, you know, how about uh, people from Russia? And then he, oh, I hate people from Russia. So I started narrowing it down like, OK, so you like Americans. Uh, yes. And I would, he said, yes. And I said, so you like Northerners? No, I hate Northerners. You know, so I, I started in the conversation, narrowing it all the way down to his hometown. And then I divided his hometown into two pieces and he hates everybody that lives on one section of his hometown. And I just found it really funny. But the truth is his hatred really bothers me. I don't understand it and I don't get it. So to kind of make myself at least feel better about the fact that there's people in the world that have that much hatred, I wrote a bit showing how ridiculous hatred really is. So it, you know, it it helped me feel better about meeting such a hate-filled person. You know, that's a lot of times I think what comedy does for me is I get really sad about something that happens and I end up finding some jokes about it to where I can go up on stage and tell jokes about it. And the audience laughs, and then I feel better. Like, I'm not I'm not just alone in this. Everybody else thinks this man's hate is also ridiculous.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's funny. As you were saying that, it, uh, I was flashing back to the discussion of, you know, meeting all the people that you meet. How often do you, you meet somebody like that, and, and you think, the only way I can deal with this is through comedy, because... Um, it's just too upsetting. Otherwise, is that a, a common trope or is that really rare?
1: I would say it's more common than rare. I mean, one one of the things about uh, the way I do this job is, you know, I I play nice clubs, but I, I a lot of my shows are not in nice clubs. They're in, you know, in a bar in the middle of Louisiana, something like that, and I don't change my act. I I. You know, I, talk, I do my act. I say what I want to say on stage, and I'm, I'm completely aware that a lot of people might be upset about it. Um, I did a show. I'm telling, I'm, you know, doing this story now on stage to, to make myself feel better about this story. I I, uh, and I and did a show in South Carolina, and uh, I pulled up to it. It's a barbecue restaurant, and I pulled up, and there are Confederate flags all over the front of it, they were on the plates and the cups uh, the menu said, the sauce will rise again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, uh, I just thought to myself, this is not going to go well. <laughs> so I might as well. Yeah. I said, I thought I might as well be honest with the crowd right up front, just right up front. Let's just be honest. So I, I opened with this joke. I, I said, in my opinion, the greatest thing that's ever happened in the United States of America is that the South lost the Civil War. Look at... Look at how we act now. And we lost. I mean, that's incredible. We have to be the most arrogant losers in the history of warfare. We still reenact the thing. Who reenacts a loss? So... When you do that piece of material in front of a bunch of people that are wearing Confederate flag T-shirts, you're going to know what they feel and what they <laughs> think immediately. <laughs> immediately.
0: And what did, they, uh, what did they let you know they were feeling at that time?
1: Oh, they were so mad at me. I had a woman come up. Yeah, they were furious. A woman comes up to me after the show, and this is a joke, but it's, I didn't write this. I am pretty much quoted. On stage, I just quote what she said to me and what I said back to her, and the crowd laughs. She's cussing me out. She's yelling and screaming, cussing me out. She's wearing a Confederate flag T-shirt. And then she said this to me. She said, what you are is un-American. And I said, really? I'm un-American? I said, ma'am, your shirt tried to leave the country. And then she exploded just screaming and yelling, you know, but the other side of this, which I did not know years ago, but I figured out since then is if I go, let's say I go to a a really open-minded intelligent crowd and perform my show and they laugh and they like it. That's fantastic. I feel good. They feel good. You know, that's really nice. And I, it's rewarding. But if I go to a place that disagrees with me, then my jokes and my argument have to get sharper. If I can make a crowd that is against gay marriage laugh at pro-gay marriage material, that's really funny.
0: How did it end with the lady that was uh, still angry at you? Did you feel like you came to a consensus with her? Was there a point where you thought that you, know, you had opened a dialogue with her?
1: Uh, I have to say no. <laughs> she, she said I said you're sure tried to leave the country and then she seemed confused by that statement and then I said ma'am let's start here Let, let's look at the facts we can both admit that the, that the south lost the civil war is that correct and then she said to me no because it's not over yet oh wow yeah, and then I just said I can't talk to you anymore. I mean, that's <laughs> uh, <laughs> I really try to be inclusive and take everybody's side into a, account, but the bar only goes down so low. I mean <laughs>
0: yeah. I like that. that's a that's an interesting description. Uh, you know, I I, I got to say I'm uh, you know, just listening to the story and listening to uh, the setup, uh, aren't there times when you think uh, you know, I, I have the right to say what I want to say, but I might not make it out of this club uh, that, you know, you could put yourself into <laughs> physical danger because of it.
1: Yeah, and that's, that's happened a couple of times. Um, once, uh, once in Macon, Georgia, I was on stage and doing a bit uh, about uh, the same thing we've been talking about, about how I believe my sister and her partner have every right to get married that I do and this is before the law passed this is a couple of years ago but I was on stage in Macon, Georgia talking about that and I heard a man yell I don't know if I can say this on the air the F-A word oh right yeah yeah Does everybody know when yeah yeah Uh, so I heard him yell that and I turned to my right and he was on stage I didn't even know he'd come up on stage but he was on stage and he punched me in the face and Yeah, he came up on stage and punched me. And it is really hard to fight back when you're laughing. (laughs) It was so redneck. It was just so over-the-top redneck. I was just, you know, so those type of things have happened. Um, In Nashville one night, I was on stage, and there was a a group of white supremacists. They They had Nazi, the swastika was tattooed on a guy's forehead which I just thought, all right. And I said a bunch of stuff and they were really, really upset with me. And I got off stage and I knew that they were, they were mad. They yelled at me and I hid in the green room. I I didn't come out of the green room for a while. And then I came out assuming, okay, they're probably gone by now. And when I came out, the manager of the club came up to me and said, all the doors are locked. We've called the cops. You're not allowed to leave the building until the police get here Um, they're they're outside and they have guns and knives and they're waiting on you. So, you know, but I don't want that stuff to happen, but I also, I want to say what I want to say and I don't say it flippantly. I'm not just up there saying I'm right and you're wrong and you're stupid and I'm smart. I do a lot of research and I search my own beliefs and challenge myself and I try not to make flippant, you know, statements. I'm trying to, to really just point out like, you know, the, the Confederate flag should not be flown on state buildings because it lost. That's, that's the rules of war, you know, right. you, 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 you lose the war. You don't get to wave your flag. That's the way it works, you know? And I also break down that the, what I consider the ridiculous heritage argument, but I do it in, in my opinion, I do it truly considering their point of view, so. If someone's going to get mad at that, then I guess I'll just take whatever they're going to do. You know, I'll take whatever's coming to me. But
0: well, I got to tell you, uh, you, you've got my uh, my respect there for standing up and uh, you know saying the unpopular things uh, that they're unpopular in, in certain areas. Uh, make they make sense to me, but uh, you know, I'm one of the Northerners that uh, the, the man <laughs> earlier was uh, was was probably talking about. Stuart Huff, I, th- I want to thank you very, very much for talking to me today on Craft, and I'm really looking forward to your appearance at the September 3rd through 5th Arch City Comedy Festival.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it, too. I think it's the first year, and I they're really putting work and effort into it. I think it's going to be a success right off the bat.
0: For more information from my guests, visit www.crafttheshow.com. This is Doug Dangler. Until next time, be creative.